we're going to be reading the account of the resurrection as we find it in the book of Matthew. We're going to read Matthew chapter 28. Let's listen together to God's holy and infallible word. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. And so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. And when the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. And so the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's God's word for us this Easter morning. As you could tell from our scripture reading, in the Gospel of Matthew, there's a close connection between uh, the Great Commission, that sending of his disciples out by Jesus. There's a, there's a close connection between the Great Commission and Easter. We could almost say that the angel's invitation uh, to the women that we read a little earlier and how they respond to the invitation, that that gives us a strategy as God's people from Easter going forward. There's, in other words, the big picture of the church's mission that we read at the end of the chapter. Make disciples, baptize, teach. And embedded in Matthew's Easter story 
are some strategic details on how that happens, both for the church as a whole as well as for each one of us personally. Three parts to this strategy, three invitations in a sense. The first is this, come and see the facts of Easter. Come and see where he lay, invites the angel. Uh, But since angels, by definition, are messengers of God, it's important to realize that this invitation ultimately comes from uh, the Lord himself. And in that sense, this invitation is not just to the women back then, but it's an invitation to us too. The fact is that without coming to the risen Lord Jesus, without responding to this invitation, uh, there is no salvation, uh, there is no relationship with God. What are the facts of Easter to see? Charles Spurgeon uh, was one of the, the great, great preachers of all time, one of the more famous ones who ever lived. He says we should see at least several things when we look in the tomb, as the angel invites us to do. First, we should see our sin. Death is the end result of sin in this world. Uh, The wages of sin is death, we read in the book of Romans. But Christ never sinned, so why did he end up in death in the tomb? And of course, the answer is, it was for our sin. Isaiah 53 looks ahead to Jesus' death and says, he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, Uh, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. And, And so when we look at the tomb rightly, we begin to see the extent of our sin and the fact that because of it, the Son of God died. And, and so it should cause us to hate and despise our sin more and more. Second, we should see a reminder, says Spurgeon, that we too will die and enter the grave. Unless Jesus returns first, we will die and will be separated from our loved ones. And so the tomb speaks to our mortality The tomb warns us that this life is not all there is. There's a life beyond death to be sure we're preparing for. Next, we should see clearly that Christ is not in that tomb anymore. As we read, starting already immediately after Easter morning, God's enemies started to make up stories So people would think the resurrection was fake. First, fake news maybe. That it was staged. But the fact is that Christ arose, as the Bible says, as all four gospel writers separately give account of. Finally, we should see and come to know when we see the tomb that if we belong to Jesus... 
if we believe in his name, if we're joined to him, we too will rise. The promise of the resurrection of, for God's people, we can find that all throughout Scripture, and, and I, the empty tomb points to it too, and we cling to that promise of our resurrection and that of our loved ones, which is signified by these lilies, and you can see uh, the names of all the loved ones in glory in the bulletin uh, that family members are remembering today. And, and so when we come and see the empty tomb, we're assured of the fact that we will be with Jesus forever. And that when he returns, we'll be given new resurrected bodies, uh, just as he had when he rose from the dead. So each of us is invited to come and see these facts of Easter this morning. But maybe, maybe you doubt. Maybe you wonder, is it all true? Uh, Chuck Colson you probably have heard that name. He has uh, passed away now. But he was one of those who was found guilty of obstructing Justin, justice in the Nixon administration. Uh, he went to prison uh, for his crimes. He was converted. He started uh, a very large and effective ministry called Prison Fellowship. Colson once said this about the fact of Easter to those who perhaps doubt Jesus rose from the dead and think this is just uh, a story from long ago. This is what Colson said, and see what you think about this. He said, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Every single one was beaten, tortured, stoned, put in prison. They would not have endured all of that if it wasn't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep a lie for three weeks. And you're telling me 12 apostles could keep a lie for 40 years? Colson says, absolutely impossible. Another pair of invitations. Go and tell the news of Easter. As tempting as it is to linger by the tomb, uh, to linger at Easter, as tempting as it is to enjoy the good feelings and to celebrate God's power and salvation for all who have come and seen, as much as it would be nice to just stick closely with other disciples in this triumphant day of grace and power, there's work to be done, and we're called to get busy in that work. And this is, of course, how Matthew's gospel ends, uh, how the chapter we read ends, with the Great Commission. And that's who we want to be, a Great Commission church. For a church that knows the incredible facts of the resurrection and seeks to stand on them and be rooted in them, 
there may be a temptation to just hang out with one another, enjoy good friendships that uh, we make in the church, good company, uh, warm and, and vibrant and joyful worship services. And for believers, it's a joy, and obviously it's indeed appropriate, and it's commanded by God that we worship together joyfully, that we grow with others and hang out with others who have seen the empty tomb. But just as the angel called the women to go and tell, God calls all believers to do that. And so we go and tell in numerous ways. We do that by partnering uh, with our missionaries. We go and tell with our giving as we have offerings for special ministries, for missionaries and others, even as we give to our budget. There are parts of that budget that are for our local church and our broader denomination that we belong to, the Christian Reformed Church. So even our, our giving is about going and telling. We go and we tell on service projects, and we're called to go and tell each one of us too, every day, wherever we are, to tell the news. A couple of months ago, uh, our oldest two daughters completed uh, a season of basketball at Timothy Christian where they go to school. And their team won regionals. And this had not happened for a while uh, for Timothy girls basketball. It had been years. It was not really expected to happen this year. And so the winning of this victory was very exciting. And you know, for a while there, a couple weeks maybe, it was the topic of conversation. All of us, parents, uh, students, athletes, coaches, we couldn't help but tell this amazing news. And each telling was a little different depending on who told the story. Hannah, our second oldest, had her perspective. Olivia had hers as a graduating senior. And all the girls on the team had their own highlights. As a parent, I told the story a certain way, and I could tell it right now uh, in all sorts of detail, but I'm going to spare you that. The coaches had their perspective, different angles, different emphases, but the same central story, the same news of victory. And that's how the four Gospels work too. They all tell the same resurrection victory, but with their own focus, their own emphasis. And when we go and tell, that's how it works too. This is news you want to share. Great news, but then you may know that, but then still may wonder, well, what do I say when I tell? How do I, in my life, tell this news? It's, it happened so many years ago. It's so far removed from life today. Well, I think the key is recognizing that it's not removed from life today. If we truly believe, we know it's as relevant 
and as close as our own hearts and lives. And if you're not sure whether the resurrection is in your heart and life, please talk to someone sooner rather than later. Pastors and elders will be at the exits later as you go out. But for all who have personally and truly come and seen the facts, what you do is you tell of what the power of the resurrected Lord has meant for your life. That's, that's how we tell it. That's how we go and tell, if you're wondering. You know, for me, I can talk about struggling with cancer, surgeries, treatments, but how God has continued to sustain me and help me and lead me. What about for you? Maybe it's the story of how Jesus' resurrection power has been with you through loneliness in your life, through doubt, through depression, through anxiety, through fear, through whatever cross you have to bear in this life. We go and tell, and this is important, starting with our loved ones, our own children, our grandkids, our nephews, our nieces, family members. Kids were called to minister in this own church family, like many volunteers are right now in children's church. Don't let the command, the invitation, go and tell, make you miss those closest to you. Our own loved ones are the most important mission field that God has given us. Invite them to come and see the facts. Pray for them. Start there. Don't forget them. And then we go forward and out from there. Come and see, go and tell. The angel specifically says those words, but there's more. There's a third pair that the angel implies as these women go forward. And it's this, run and join the body. If we've truly come and seen this morning, if we've truly heard the call to go and tell, then we will run and join as well. The women, we read, hurried away from the tomb. There was an urgency to what the angel called them to do, and that's how they responded. Suddenly, Jesus appeared while they were headed to tell the disciples. And it, it's, it's, it strikes me, it's interesting, that in their obedience... Jesus meets them. Sometimes we wonder, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus in my life? Well, if you're wondering that, one question you could ask is, um, are are you obeying him? Are you responding to him in your life? Are you responding to his invitation? In doing that, you meet Jesus. Not just by twiddling your thumbs. Obey him. Respond to his invitation to come. And in that response to what he says, 
to his invitation, guess what? That's where he'll meet you in your life. We read that the women clasped his feet and worshipped him, and in doing that, there's a real sense in which they were joining with Jesus, committing him themselves to the risen Lord. Furthermore, they were going to tell the disciples and join together with them in this amazing, incredible news. And from here, we know the disciples would establish the church as they went and told others about Jesus. And Jesus would give them uh, the great commission to establish the church. And so we could say that because the women were going to the disciples, the women were running, they were hurrying to join the church in its mission. And for all of us, an important additional step besides coming and seeing the Easter facts and beside going and telling the news of Easter is to hurry yourself and join with Jesus. Join your life with Jesus. Worship him and sign up and join with his body, his church here on earth. This strategy of Easter is how we're invited to respond to Easter ourselves. This strategy is how we share Easter with others. There's not really a middle ground in these invitations. You either come and see the facts of Easter or you reject them. You either go and tell the news of Easter or you sit on your hands. You either run and join the body or you don't worship Jesus. You don't join his body, the church. Or you only go from time to time and you're not really truly engaged. You're not all in in terms of joining the body of Christ, the church. Come and see. Go and tell. Run and join the body. May this be the response, friends, in your life May it be the response and the activity and the mission and the strategy of faith church living out of the resurrection. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this glorious day. Thank you that we may worship you Help us to respond to the invitations we read about on that first Easter. Help us, each one of us, Lord, to come and see uh, the facts of your resurrection anew. Help us to go and tell the news. Oh, Lord, we know it's great news. We love this news. Teach us and show us how to share the news with others. As we look at our own lives and see what Jesus has done for us, may we tell that story of Jesus and his love and his power for us. And Lord, help each one of us also uh, to be sure that we're running to join with Jesus in our lives, that we're truly joined with his body, the church, active participants, involved uh, in worship, listening to your word and for your word, serving praying, giving. 
We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.